Welcome to the Waitressing to Wealth podcast, the podcast to gain actionable tips, learn how to build your wealth, and gain inspiration from real and relatable guests on how they've built theirs. I'm your host, Jolene Stone, a money coach. I started my journey out waitressing and $200,000 in debt. I was able to build my wealth and become debt-free in just three years. Your journey to wealth starts now. Alyssa Davies is a content manager for Zolo and a published author living in Calgary, Alberta. She is the founder of a two-time award-winning Canadian personal finance blog of the year, Mixed Up Money. And as of 2022, she has over 80,000 followers across all of her social media platforms. Through her work, she has been featured in many notable publications, including The Globe and Mail, CNBC, CBC, and more. Her books, The 100-Day Financial Goal Journal and Financial First Aid, are currently available for purchase. Welcome, Alyssa. We are so happy to have you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be with you and chat with you finally. I feel like we've only ever chatted on social media, so. Yes, it's so nice to do this. So, of course, I know all about your story and how you got started, but I would love for you to let the listeners know a little bit about your story and then also why you began your blog back in 2015. Sure. So it's funny because I feel like I've told this story so many times now that by the time I actually get to it, it doesn't like it doesn't, it's missing so many pieces because I, I keep assuming everyone knows, but I'll do my best to, <laughs> to explain it from the beginning. But essentially in 2015, I landed a job in marketing, but it was for a not-for-profit organization that helped people get out of debt. And my first week on that job, I was supposed to enter some training to actually like understand people's situations and what they were going through. So I sat in with the counselors and got to know the process of helping people kind of take control of their financial situation. And the first session that I sat in, the woman that was telling her story and explaining how much debt she was in was, it was a mirror. It was like looking in a mirror, like everything she was saying, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me. And the irony that I'm working for a company that's supposed to help these people out when I myself have so much debt and I have no idea how to control it. So at that point, I like went home that night and I just started Googling, like, how do I get out of debt? Because I can't work for this company if I don't know what I'm doing either. And I found actually Bridget Casey's blog, Money After Graduation, and I just fell like really down a rabbit hole of reading all this content and within a week, I think I'd started my blog. (laughs) That's incredible. I know you're such a big fan of hers. She is such valuable information. And I love that you guys are friends now. (laughs) Yeah, that was the coolest part. Well, most of my really good friends I've met through blogging and through being a personality on the internet, because I don't know, they just like, you can relate to them. If you know, people are interested in money and they're willing to have those really stigmatized conversations, Mm -hmm. then it's really easy to form friendships with them. So I think that's one of the best parts of having a blog. Yes. I love that so much. So I know that you're in so much debt and I love that one of your techniques was going on a spending freeze for an entire year to pay off this debt. Would you Mm -hmm. recommend that for others? 
To be honest, I am not sure where I stand on this point today. A lot of the things that I used to write about and that I used to preach on my blog, I'm like, I don't know if that's the best course of action, knowing what I know now and knowing that everyone is in a different place in their life because it's not really easy at all to just like up and one day decide I'm not going to spend money on this, this, and this anymore. And it's not really realistic either. It worked for me at the time because I was in my early twenties and I didn't have a lot of obligations or responsibilities, but now it wouldn't work for me. So I would recommend a different version of a spending freeze where you emotionally track your spending habits and get to know what you're doing with your money and actually just becoming aware of your financial situation so that you can tackle your debt that way. But to say like, stop spending money on everything you love today so that you can be debt-free in a year, it's easier said than done. (laughs) Oh, 1000%. And debt causes like so much financial anxiety. I know for myself, being in $200,000 of debt, I experienced a lot of this <laughs> and oh my gosh, I yeah. don't know if I would be able to do that as well. Cause I limited myself in certain ways, but not, I didn't go on a spending freeze for sure. Yeah. Like six figure debt is a whole nother level of financial anxiety for sure. So yeah, in that situation, I'd be like, no, of course you still need things you love to keep you yeah. motivated, to keep going. Cause it's not going to be 10 months and you're clear. Exactly. Oh, so what are your top three personal ways of dealing with financial anxiety? <clears throat> oh man. Anxiety just in general is a huge issue for me. It always has been. But as far as debt goes, a few things that have really helped me are one, finding someone that can help you stay accountable to actually repaying that debt. I know that it's easier to walk up to a complete stranger in the middle of the street and say, hey, I'm in $50,000 of debt than it is to go to your best friend and say the same thing because that becomes really awkward really fast. But at the same time, if you can find someone that you can open up to and that you can confide in and that trusts you and that is going to help motivate you on that journey, then you need that person. And so I started really small. I actually did it first. The first time I ever opened up about my debt was with the dentist's office. (laughs) I was getting my teeth cleaned and they asked me if I wanted some kind of service. And I was like, well, how much does that cost? And she tells me the amount. And I was like, to be honest, I cannot afford that. I have a lot of debt I'm trying to repay. So I'm going to have to skip that service today. And in that moment, I was like, wow, did I just say that out loud? Like, who am I right now? This is so, I was like embarrassed. And then I quickly realized, oh wait, no, like this gives me the power that I need to actually control what my debt. And she didn't judge me. She didn't say anything. She just put a note on my file that they would ask me moving forward every single time there was an additional fee to a service. And it was like a huge relief. So when I felt that relief, I was like, oh my gosh, imagine if I had this relief with my loved ones. So that kind of opened the door for me. And the second one is to not be afraid to ask for help. (laughs) That was something else I was afraid of, but there are a ton of amazing tools, people, organizations that exist that just help make your journey smoother. And they'll also not judge you. And I used to think that was impossible to find, but it's really not. Like the place that I worked, which was a not-for-profit was amazing for that. Oh, those are such great tips. And especially just that weight off your shoulders can give you that relief of the financial anxiety, even though it still might be there, like underlying, it's a relief that you're like, oh, someone I can trust and someone I can like, I don't have to feel stressed out going to the dentist because they're not going to ask me those questions and they're not going to try and charge me 
exactly upcharge and upcharge and upcharge. So yeah. And one of the biggest things too is like when you are in debt and you're trying or you're trying to do anything with your money, a huge issue is comparing yourself to other people, obviously, Mm -hmm. whether it be your peers, people online, but those things make your anxiety a lot worse. So finding a way to kind of narrow that focus back to yourself and the things that you want to accomplish and why they matter to you is another great way to kind of curb that anxiety. It's not going to completely erase it. None of those things will, but it just helps manage the feelings a little bit better, if that makes sense. Yes, totally. Interrupting this conversation with something absolutely amazing to help you with your debt. Debt Decluttered, the course was made for you if you're ready to get rid of your debt for good. Upon completion of this course, you'll graduate with clarity surrounding your debt, a healthy mindset, and a full-on strategic plan to help you pay off your debt. This course uses my money minimalism framework to help you really spark joy within your finances and to not stress you out. That's the last thing that we want when it comes to paying off your debt. The doors are now open. So if you are ready to tidy up and toss out your debt, gain a healthy money mindset and have a strategic plan for paying off your debt ASAP, then you gotta snag the debt decluttered course. Oh, and the best part is you can access it now at an affordable price point and get in on some of the absolutely game-changing bonuses. Click the link in the show notes to access it. Now, back to the episode. So this kind of leads us into my next question. And I love, love that you say that you bought your house as an emotional purchase. So what outweighed that financial baggage of having a mortgage and sort of like eased your financial anxiety with such a large purchase? Yeah, it's a great question. And I, so I write about real estate full-time. So like I hear from people all the time about how much they want to buy a house. Like it's their biggest dream and they know that it's going to set them up financially. And like for a lot of people, it's going to be their retirement plan. Like they'll blatantly say that. And I have never felt that way about owning a home. As soon as I did the math and I saw that renting was always going to outweigh owning a home, I like threw that idea out the window that I was going to be buying an investment. Mm -hmm. And I kind of switched my mindset to say, I'm buying a home for permanence. I'm buying a home for stability. Those are things that renting unfortunately cannot give you. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I had my daughter when I was 28, it became my mission to create a place where we could build memories. She was allowed to grow and we wouldn't have to worry about shifting gears every few years. And it just made me feel like I always had a place to call my own. Whereas I loved renting because it had so much flexibility and so much freedom and it was way more affordable, (laughs) but it didn't always give me that feeling of security. And like I've mentioned so many times, I have raging anxiety. So anything that I can do to make myself feel at peace is an easy decision. And, and I totally pushed aside the financial aspect for that reason. Yeah. I think too, what I'm hearing is the comparison to others (laughs) is so large. And just knowing that for yourself is that you need that security and you need that place for your family like it's so Mm -hmm. important so uh, I love that (laughs) I was also one of those people that was like 
oh, I need to buy a house because that's mm-hmm. what society tells us. And it's probably my biggest financial regret, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. And, and so like, many people do, they end up buying a home and because they bought it for just purely for financial reasons, they didn't buy a home they actually loved. And that was something too, is we waited until we found our forever home, which not a lot of people do anymore. Most people no. buy a starter home and then they hope to move up to a larger home and they continue to do that for four or five times throughout their lifetime. Yeah. And I had moved 10 times every year. Like it was just becoming outrageous when we were renting to the point where I was like, once we buy a home, I'm never moving again. I don't want to have to do that. I also don't want to take on the financial burden of moving costs because those are astronomically high, like much higher than people realize. Mm -hmm. And when you sell a home, you have to pay realtor fees and, you know, like there's much more expenses than people don't see. So any of the gains that you make when you actually buy your first home, you're probably losing them when you're selling and upsizing anyways. Yeah. Exactly. So I believe that talking about finances and making money a not so taboo topic helps 1000% in getting more financially confident, but not everyone has an amazing partner or someone to talk to like a trusted friend or family member Mm -hmm. to discuss their financial stress. So what would you suggest? Maybe a certain journal to help them (laughs) or maybe a different resource? I love that you gave me a chance to plug my journal. (laughs) I have a journal. It's called the hundred day financial goal journal. And it's something I already mentioned, which is a daily tracker, but rather than purely focus on the financial side of your money, you actually focus more on the emotional side of how spending makes you feel and whether or not certain things or moods or like parts of your week happen and force you to spend more money than you'd like. So becoming aware of those habits is really something that I always have forced myself to do. It's not fun all the time, but it's completely changed how I spend my money. And it also forces me to second guess and triple check every decision I make. Um, And if you can't afford my journal, because I, I never know what financial situation anyone's in, I have free spending trackers on my website as well that basically emulate the same thing. They're a little bit less in depth, but you just track, like, did I spend money today on things I didn't need? And like, how do I feel about it? Yeah, that's incredible. I love that you created this too, just because not everyone can just sit down and like write that out. Having a guide and a journal is so, so helpful. So that's amazing. Thanks. Some financial anxiety can be caused by traditional societal norms, like we talked about, like buying a house by a certain age, getting married by a certain age, or even just having kids. This is why I love seeing your Instagram polls and seeing all the different viewpoints. (laughs) This has been a very eye-opening experience for me, just watching them and seeing all the different opinions. Has there been a really eye-opening or perspective-changing answer in your polls? Yeah, so... I'm happy to hear that you say that because the reason I do my polls is for the people in the community around me. So that makes me very happy, (laughs) but every single one of my polls is eye-opening. I think most recently, one of the most revealing ones was I talked about universal basic income and just Mm -hmm. how life-changing that could be for a lot of people and how good it can be for our society. And I was kind of 
busting a lot of the myths that exist around UBI, because I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions around it. And it was just nice to see how many of my followers would actually benefit from UBI. And I think it helps other people see people just like them that are interested in the same things as them and that want to achieve the same things as them could like, they need to rely on something like that. And, you know, like you might have an okay life and you might be doing great, but that doesn't mean that everyone else is. So anytime I ask for something like that, what's your debt level or what's your net worth or your income level? And how old are you? A wide variety of responses, depending on like, it doesn't matter how old you are. Like some people are 50 and they have $200,000 of debt and some people are 30 and they're making $200,000 a year. Like It's wild to me to see how different everyone is doing in their life. And it just further proves that notion of like, no one can ever achieve these traditional milestones of a certain income level or a certain lifestyle by X age, because we all start at different points in our lives and we're all coming from completely different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's not even possible to compare yourself to other people because they never lived the life that you live and they cannot compare. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Everyone's at a different starting point Mm -hmm. and like based on their privilege, their race, literally everyone and people need to realize that too. But yeah, the polls are so eye-opening. I'm like, I always, I'm just like reading every single one. I know it's such thought out answers too. People get really into it. And I, like I got, we talked about supply and demand uh, last week. I got a Google doc, like with six, seven paragraphs of someone explaining and breaking down supply chains and they work in the industry. And I was like, this is incredibly valuable. Like how fortunate we are to just like have someone hand this document over that we can all indulge in and actually learn from. Like, I feel, I feel like I'm, I feel so grateful for everyone because they're so invested in it. And I feel like it makes them so much better. (laughs) Yeah. I read that. That was so eye-opening. It was really interesting so just like so no like I just couldn't even I'm just like, I know I was what? like this is stuff we would never know unless we spoke to an industry expert so yeah and there's not like I'm Google- <laughs> I, yeah I'm not googling that to be honest no, like no but having it all laid out was so nice so a lot of our financial worries or anxieties are caused by situations we may have experienced when we're young So have you found this to be true or helpful to dive deep into your root causes of your money wounds? Yes, absolutely. I think that trauma and money are very interconnected, especially it's really helpful to confront those things regardless of who you are, where you're at in your life, because a lot of us don't really realize how much they impact us as adults. They just assume that, well, that was when I was a kid, like it doesn't really impact me anymore. But once you start diving into it, it's like, every single piece of what happened to you when you were growing up, like you have those internal beliefs now that still stick with you. So like if your parents lived paycheck to paycheck, there's a really high chance that you live paycheck to paycheck. Or if you don't live paycheck to paycheck, you live with a very big scarcity mindset because you are worried that at one point you will be living paycheck to paycheck because that was your norm when you were younger. So I don't think a lot of people realize that like money actually forces a lot of us into therapy. Like you can go to therapy and just talk about your money. I don't think people really know that's an option. And I also think that confronting those types of things, like if you ever get into a relationship with a partner, you, ne- you need to know 
what those issues are, because if you don't deal with them as an individual, they're going to bleed into your relationship and cause a lot of issues. And I think that's why money is such a big problem in relationships as well. Yeah. And also a taboo topic because it brings up those core core wounds and you're like, ah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Have you personally found security in a certain bank balance or once you reached a certain amount, did you feel some anxiety lift or ease? I think that's such a good question because so many people ask that, like, how much do I need to feel better? Like, feel like I can actually live the life I want to live. And I feel like for me, it was like, as soon as I had a full emergency fund and as soon as I started hitting my financial goals consistently and I wasn't accruing any more debt, I was like, oh, wow. Like I actually am pretty, I'm doing pretty good. Like I feel secure right now. (laughs) And instead of focusing on those specific numbers, I started focusing on building up more streams of income, like having multiple streams of income, because it's given me more faith that if something serious happens, I have more than one backup plan yeah. um, because that's that anxiety thing. Like, well, what if some, the worst thing possible happens tomorrow? What am I going to do? <laughs> so like, I, I feel like having options is really what gave me security. It wasn't like I have $400,000 invested. Like I don't have that, <laughs> but like, it's not going to be that it will never be a specific number. You have to find something else because you can save and save and save and still feel like it's not enough. Yes, I have to agree with that. I have multiple different jobs currently and I always have. And I do feel like that's a little bit of like the protective anxiety. Oh, 100%, like, yeah. Hey, if something happens, you have an alternative or there's a pandemic or like whatever. Mm. So those are such good tips. <laughs> and also, yeah, it's different for everyone. So even if they have a fully funded emergency fund, they might need extra to feel safe and secure too. So Mm -hmm. that's great. So I so appreciate that you don't buy into the heavily marketed products. We are constantly bombarded with all these products on a daily basis. I think it's such an interesting topic that really plays into the emotional heaviness that's placed on our self-esteem, equality, and privilege too. Mm -hmm. The fact that some people are constantly swiping their cards for Hashtag hot girl products, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Creams, services, you you get it. <laughs> it's really telling us the society that we live in and also just amplified by social media. Mm-hmm. The you got to spend this much to make yourself look this good is absolutely ridiculous. So mm-hmm. I must know what is the reason <laughs> behind <laughs> two-in-one shampoo? <laughs> yeah, this... That made me laugh so hard because, um, yeah, people get really rattled when I tell them I use two in one shampoo. Like some people take personal offense to it. Yeah. They're probably jealous. I just think it's hilarious because I'm, I mostly started doing it for convenience. I started doing it when I had my first baby because I I literally had no time to shower or anything. And then I started using it. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is shaving. 10 minutes off of my shower. This is amazing. (laughs) So I haven't stopped. And like, ever since then, I'm like, well, I'm saving money because I only have to buy one bottle. (laughs) And like, my hair is still the same. Like nothing has changed. Using fancy shampoo doesn't actually dictate like how my hair looks. So like, why am I spending money on this? Right. And your hair is so long. (laughs) It would take so long to shampoo eggs. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not like, 
in my adult life, I'm never the type of person that you can, no one else can see me, but Jolene can see me and like my hair is soaking wet right now. And I didn't even brush it. <laughs> I just don't do my hair. Like it's not something that I prioritize and I don't really think it matters because it doesn't matter to me. So like, that's all that should matter. And I don't think it matters what anyone else does, but I think it's more like, do I actually like this thing? Or am I just doing it because society tells me I should? Because I realized really quickly after trying and trying and trying and failing and failing and failing to buy clothing that made me look cool and made me fit in with my friend group and keep up with them because they love fashion, that I hate fashion. I hate buying clothes. I hate going shopping. I don't really like it. I was buying clothes just to make other people think that I was fashionable and it wasn't making me happy. It was making me in debt. And frustrated because I didn't even like the clothes I was wearing. And every single morning I would wake up and be like, I hate everything. Like, what am I going to wear? So ever since I admitted to myself, like, Alyssa, you're terrible at fashion and you don't really like clothes. I started buying things that made me comfortable, that made me happy, that I knew I would be able to wear every single day, no matter what I was doing. And now I feel better about my decisions. I'm not wasting my money on clothing that I'll never wear. And suddenly I'm like, I feel great about myself because I'm wearing things I like, not what other people like. So I feel like every time you're questioning, like, why am I spending so much money on this thing? Is it actually like the real question is like, is this actually making me happy? Because if it's not making you happy, then it's really not worth it. Exactly. I love to preach the value spending too. And it's so important. It will literally change your life and create so much more happiness. So I love that. I might just go out and buy two-in-one shampoo too. <laughs> Don't tell people I told you. They'll be coming for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I ask all of my guests, do you have any tips for our listeners based on our your finances or maybe something that you wished you had learned sooner? Hmm. I think I wish that I knew everyone was as lost in life as I was and am still today (laughs) because no one is skating through their days unless they're a billionaire. Most of us are just like our friends and family. We're, we're just like living our life and trying to do the best we can to bring home money and still enjoy the time we have and, you know, create memories that actually bring us joy. And a lot of us aren't doing that well all the time, but some of us are just better at hiding it than others. Mm -hmm. And I think as soon as I hit 30, people say 30 is like so sad and depressing, but I love being in my thirties because as soon as I hit 30, I was like, wow, I was like trying to fit in this bubble and this box that didn't work for me. And I now know what I love and what, what does work. So I feel like you just become more and more of yourself and more confident in yourself as you get older. And you realize those things like, oh, not everyone knows what they're doing. And I really don't need to like pretend that I do all the time because it's not helping me get any further in life. I agree. I love that so much. That's so amazing. And just like giving yourself the permission, like you don't have anyone else to impress. And if the mark with like the 30 year old mark and your 30th birthday gives you that permission, that's like 
absolutely incredible. Oh yeah. It's the best <laughs> birthday gift ever. <laughs> Amazing. I'm so excited for your new book, Financial First Aid, Essential Tools for Confident, Secure Money Management. Could you tell the listeners how they can pre-order or purchase and a little bit about why you wrote the book and what they can expect? For sure. So you can pre-order anywhere. I never give specific bookstores because everyone has their own preference, but like you can go as far as bookshop.org to Amazon. Like it's totally up to you wherever you love buying your books. But this book is basically all about everything that can go wrong with your money and how to prepare for that or reduce the chances that something like that goes wrong. I talk about why I personally have multiple emergency funds and how I prepare for my financial future by protecting myself on a variety of levels and why you should do the same. And obviously I wrote it because as someone who deals with anxiety, it can feel a little bit less overwhelming to know that, hey, I do have some control. Like I can take control of these parts of my life to prevent or prepare for these parts of life that I don't really look forward to. But it's just kind of giving that people that option to have things feel a little bit more possible, like feel like you have a lot more control than you think you do. That's amazing. (laughs) I hope everyone goes and pre-orders the book. It's going to be literally life-changing. So make sure you go that go there. I will leave all the links in the show notes below. Thank, Thank you. you so much for being on and coming thanks on this for podcast. Having me. I appreciate it so much. And yeah, thanks for like such thoughtful questions. It was, I appreciate that. Yes, you're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Waitressing to Wealth podcast. To support the show and show your gratitude, we would be so happy if you shared it with your friends and tagged us on Instagram at Jolene Stone. Subscribe so you never miss a valuable episode. 